Good morning. It's good to be with you all today. Let's open with prayer. Lord God, I give you this time. We give you this, um, this story of Jacob and, and say thank you for it. And I pray that today your dreams for us would become a reality to each of our lives and to Story City and for our families and for our role here in the world and in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today you get a treat because you get both myself and Pastor Andrew. We're going to be doing a little flip-flop here in the middle of the sermon, and so you'll get to hear from both of us today. And today we're talking about being called to dream. We're talking about dreams of Scripture, specifically today in the Old Testament. And we're talking about both literal dreams, because that was a big part of the story of Jacob that we heard today in our reading, but also about dreams regarding calling or being called into something greater than what we even know or would expect in our lives. When I was a kid, I had a lot of dreams for myself. I, I don't remember them specifically, but I imagine they were something like being a ballerina or an actress or a singer. And then when I got into my teenage years, my dreams were more about relationships and popularity, making a good impression, what sort of footprint would I leave on the world around me. And then as maturity came, my dreams focused more on a future career, my hopes for being married and having kids. But in all that time, I don't remember anybody telling me that God may have a dream for me that there may be something that I hadn't really considered until I was an adult of what God may have for me. And now I am more aware of the Holy Spirit's role in my life and my role in the kingdom of God. And my dreams have become focused more on what God's dreams are for me. So what I want us to focus on today as we explore this dream with Jacob, seeing angels descending and ascending from heaven, is that we are called to dream big dreams with our big God. And this calling and dreaming comes from listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, to your family, to your life, to your role in the kingdom of God, and then trusting him as he walks with you to fulfill that dream. Basically, where God's dreams for us become our dreams for our lives. So today in our reading, we heard the story of one big dream with Jacob that God had for him. And in reality, this dream was one dream that was part of a greater dream, that was part of a greater dream that came through the three patriarchs of Israel. And so we're going to do a little history lesson here. So here's a little layout for you of the three patriarchs or great fathers of Israel. It starts with Abraham, or he was originally Abram, and God renamed him Abraham. And this dream or this calling came through Abraham when God spoke to him to promise to bless the world through him and his family. And then Abraham's son is Isaac, and Isaac has a son, Jacob, who we heard in the story. We have Esau, his brother, as well. Now, Jacob, his name means deceiver because he is very deceptive and deceives his father Isaac and his older brother Esau by stealing his brother's blessing and inheritance and then needing to run away to escape the anger of his brother Esau. And later we see that God renames him Israel, and then he has 12 sons who become known as the 12 sons or the 12 tribes of Israel. 
So this family here, they had a lot of issues, a lot of family drama, a lot of very real, very human failures, lots of lies, lots of betrayals, lack of trust in God. But despite all of their failures, God remained faithful and continuously reaffirmed his commitment to bless the nations through Abraham and then through Isaac and then now here with Jacob. So the specific promise of God you can read in Genesis 12 that began with Abraham and then Genesis 26 with Isaac and then now here in Genesis 28 with Jacob. And all of these promises have a common theme of land, nations, and then blessing the world through them and through their descendants. So now we're going to look, re-look at this reading with Jacob um, and his dream with God. So um, if you want to turn in your Bibles, um, in the Pew Bible, that's on page 43. And we're going to reread bits and pieces of this to get a better understanding of the story. So again, it's on page 43. And I'm going to be starting at verse 10 in chapter 28. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. We'll pause there for a moment. Jacob has this powerful first encounter with God, and in a very real dream, God shows up to him where angels are ascending and descending on a stairway or like a ladder. It's like this thing from earth up into heaven where they're going back and forth from heaven to earth and he sees the Lord and it's important to know that God announces himself as the father of as the God of his father and his grandfather Abraham I'm sure Jacob had heard of those stories those encounters with Isaac and Abraham and so it's important to know that this first encounter with God God is declaring exactly who he is and what his purpose is for being there and then God begins his promise, a future blessing, specifically referring to land on which he is sleeping. And this land is really essential because um, this is called Bethel, and Bethel means house of God. And this is actually the same place where both Isaac and Abraham had an encounter with God and worshipped God. So picking up at verse 14... It says, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. So this is the promise that God is making with Jacob, just like he made with his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham. A blessing, of a promise, a dream of land, of nations, and of future blessing of descendants. In verse 15, we'll continue. It says, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. 
Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on it. He called that place Bethel because the city used to be called Luz. So, God makes a promise, not just for land and blessing, but also for his presence and his protection, that he'll always be with him, that he'll go with him wherever he goes, that he'll watch over him and be with him until everything that he has promised is accomplished. And Jacob wakes up and is in awe of what's happened, and I think it's weird it says that he was in fear, and then he's like, well, how awesome is this? I don't know if I'd ever say that it was awesome when I'm also really scared, unless it was like a thrill ride or something, but he is in awe. He's in awe of what God is doing and decides to worship God there, even calling that place the gate of heaven. I think it's interesting that in the middle of the chaos of Jacob's life that his relationship with God began. Isn't that how we sometimes treat our relationship with God? That when we're in the middle of something chaotic in our life, maybe not as bad as fleeing from our brother who's out to kill us, but we are in the middle of a mess in life and we've turned to God. And that's what Jacob is experiencing here. In verse 20, it says, Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So it seems like Jacob is almost making this deal with God, saying, if you do what you say, if you provide for me, get me back home safe, then I'll do as you say. Yet what God wants Jacob to do is to simply trust him. Because it's through this calling that God will carry out this big dream of blessing the nations. Now after this, this experience with God, a lot happens. Um, Jacob really has more family drama with his uncle. Um, he gets married and has, has drama between his wives and children. But in the end, God orchestrates a reconnection between ja Jacob and his brother Esau, who was very angry about him stealing his birthright. And so we're actually going to jump ahead to Genesis 35, which is on page 56. And this is when God calls Jacob back to Bethel. He has had an encounter with his brother Esau and experienced forgiveness with his brother Esau. And so we'll pick up and read Genesis 35, 1 through 15. Or actually, we'll read 9 through 15. Excuse me. After Jacob returned from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, Your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will be among your descendants. This land I give to Abraham that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you, and I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at that place where he had talked with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar at that place where God had talked with him, and he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. Jacob called that place where God had talked to him Bethel. 
So we see this encounter with God again, God telling of the promise and telling him, I have been with you and now you have this promise of land and nations and descendants and blessing. And God even renames him Israel. So here in this story of Jacob, we see that God's dreams become Jacob's reality, Jacob's dreams and greatly impacting Jacob's relationship with God and the way that he lived his life. Wonderful. Part two. If we were good cop, bad cop, which one is which? What do you think? So, okay. So, so when God reveals himself and his dream to Jacob, I think there's some fundamental, like, practical implications to how we live our lives. And there's implications to how Jacob's life goes from that time forth as well. We know, as Allison mentioned, Jacob wasn't perfect and his life wasn't perfect. Uh, but his faith in God was solidified through that dream and through that experience. Uh, what had been very real for his, his dad, Isaac, and his grandfather, Abraham, became very real for him as well. If many of us have had like generational passing on of the faith, we hope for that same sort of reality, that, that our kids, that our grandkids, will experience the power and the love of God in the same way that we have in our lives. And this is God ensuring that that's going to happen for these people. And the same thing can happen for us as we discern and consider God's dream for our lives and for Emmanuel and the churches in this town and this community. Uh, one important thing, I think, uh, that we can draw here is that this, this promise that God makes to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, this generational promise is echoed in the Great Commission that Jesus gives his disciples. And we talk about the Great Commission a lot because that's really our mission as the church, as the body of Christ. And um, the Great Commission is how God is continuing to fill, fulfill his promises to God's people, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob and their descendants. The Great Commission is part of this. And the Great Commission says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of this age. See, if the disciples of Jesus were good students of the Torah, they would have heard the Great Commission and, they, and their minds would have had these bells and whistles going off because they've heard these promises before. They've heard some of these words before. They've heard this talk about nations. They've heard this talk about blessing. They've heard this talk about being disciples and then God's presence being with them. Jesus giving the Great Commission to his followers, which includes us, really has its roots way back in these promises. And there's some other parallels that I think the disciples would have been aware of if they were paying attention. So God is standing with Jacob. God, God meets with Jacob a couple different times, right? And Jesus is standing with his disciples, and they believe at this point, and they've seen him rise from the dead. They believe wholeheartedly that he is the Son of God. So their experience in standing with Jesus parallels and mirrors uh, Jacob's experience of being with God and in his presence. And then Jacob is given a call to fill the earth and create nations, right? And Jesus commands his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, getting back to the roots of the promise. And God also promises Jacob his presence, just like he does with his disciples. And this brings a comfort. I'm sure it did for Jacob, and I'm sure it does for the disciples. 
And it does for me too. And I hope it does for you as well. So there's a lot of parallels going on here. A couple neat things I think that go along with this um, is when we think about God's, God's presence and God's power through the dream, um, how does that tie into our lives? And really it's the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we get to experience God's presence in our lives as followers of Jesus in a way that Jacob didn't fully get to experience. For Jacob, it seems like it was a little more of an external experience. For us, it's very much an internal experience through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is important. Uh, the implications of this, uh, wherever we go, guess what? God goes. If we are followers of Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we are actually God's presence to the world. There's some gravity with that, right? That's why we value recognizing God's work in us and around us. We want to have our eyes open to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. And that's why we emphasize an awareness of what the Holy Spirit is doing or leading or saying in any given circumstance. God's presence is with us in every circumstance. And we should be active kingdom of God agents. We don't want to forget about this. We don't want to be passive. We don't want to let the discernment of what the Holy Spirit's doing just be on someone else's plate because we don't want to take the time. We all are called to have our eyes open. And I think another neat thing with this passage too is this image of the angels coming and going. And the, the fact that Jacob calls this the gates of heaven. That's, that's really neat. Like, he, he got to experience, he got to see behind the scenes a little bit what God was doing, coming and going with his agents, with his angels, between earth and in heaven. And I think we want this place to be as it is in heaven, right? We want God's, uh, God's love and grace and authority and God's presence to be lived out in our midst here just as it is in heaven. And we know we're not there yet. We're not going to fully realize that today or tomorrow or the next day until Jesus returns. But that is still our desire, that we be moving in that direction. Angels working back and forth, I think, is another way that God's presence goes with us. And you might think that's a little weird, that, that there might be a whole lot of supernatural stuff going on that you can't see right now. But God doesn't stop working that way just because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's nowhere in scriptures that God you know, takes that away or that he says he takes that away. So who are we to say or forget that God isn't also working some incredible things behind the scenes through his angels? That God is filling us with this Holy Spirit, that we are participating in his work, but that God is also still doing things apart from us and in the lives of people all around the world. God is still working. He's promised his presence. Also, when we pray the Lord's Prayer together, we pray that we want God's will to be done so fully and completely on earth as it is in heaven. Even the Lord's Prayer is kind of alluding back to the same imagery of the coming and the going of God's presence and God's work being fulfilled. So part of our faith, I think, is trusting that God still works in this way. Trusting that if God has called us to follow and God is filling us with his spirit, we are, we've got to trust that God wants to do something with that and we're not just supposed to sit around dormantly. I think that's really important. And it leads to the practical application of our lives, of what we're talking about here with dreams. Um, like Allison mentioned, 
uh, there's some pretty, like, pretty big dreams in the scriptures, and we also have some big dreams, but it's not always going to come in the form of an actual dream or vision, right? Um, some of us in this room, I know, you've told me you've experienced dreams that have had kind of a prophetic tinge to them. Um, but there's other ways that God can instill these dreams and desires and communicate this information. Uh, so, so God-sized dreams don't necessarily mean a clear vision or actual dream. Uh, they might come through your experience. They might come through the study of scriptures. If you, if you read a passage and something in your life comes alive and creates a desire in you, that's one way that God instills dreams and visions. And then we're all, also, if we're created uniquely by God, we have some passions and desires that maybe are hardwired into us. Um, some of us may, may love ministering to those who are homeless. Some of us may love ministering through music. Some of us may love ministering through teaching. Um, there's also things like that that help influence and, and help us discern our dreams. And discernment is one of the key words here, too. Um, there's, there's kind of this partnership that we have in discerning what dreams are from God and what dreams aren't, because not every passion or desire we have as humans is from God, right? There's still sin. There's still this reality that we're being pulled in two directions. So there is some discernment to be done. Not everything that is set before you or that looks good is what God is calling you to chase after. So we discern what passions and dreams are from God and which ones to follow and act on in God's time. We've all had dreams. Some of those have come to pass. Some of those have been lost or we've given up on those dreams. But God's dreams for our lives, for our church, for our community, I think are worth seeking after and discerning and chasing after, even if we've had bad experience with, with those in the past. This process is lifelong. It is a lifelong process of discerning what God is doing. And then uh, another thing that really jumped out to me about, about this is that today you can actually go to Bethel. Did you know that? And I don't mean the little white church two blocks away. But you can go there too. There's Bethel. It's on a map. We know today where this place was then. It's still there. It's the same land. It's the same soil. God chose to use a specific place geographically to give this message, to give this dream to Jacob to influence his life. This isn't something where he got floated up into the clouds and God did. Like there's an actual piece of ground where Jacob laid his head. That, that's kind of cool, right? If any of you have had the opportunity to go to Israel, go to the Holy Land, and walk through some of the streets and the places where Jesus walked, it's a powerful experience. And that same, that same power that we realize God worked in a place, that has implications for us too. Don't we have a place? Hasn't God called us to be in this specific place? And, and we often think that these big supernatural experiences can't happen with us, that God isn't working the same way for some reason. Uh, but God has called us together here in this place for a purpose. There's some soil that we're on. There's some location here that God wants to do incredible things in through the love and grace of Christ through the church. So to me, that's pretty neat. Um, author Eugene Peterson, who passed away a year, year and a half ago, um, he writes about that in one of his books. That all of like the tangible things that we are called to in Christ have an actual piece of soil that they're lived out on. Like these aren't just spiritual things. They lead us to action in the actual physical world that we live in. Uh, that, that could be the people, that could be the workplace, that could be the home, the neighborhood, the church, the town, whatever it is. 
we are grounded here for a purpose. Because this is, this on the face of earth for the most part right now, is where this ministry and this call is lived out. So Jacob had a place and we have a place. And we need to trust. We need to trust that God is still working. That God's presence is still with us. And that God has something in store for us as well. So, so personally for me, um, one of these dreams that, that we kind of had to discern in our lives was we had a dream that both Allison and I could be in ministry together and not have to like go to separate churches on a Sunday, right? We didn't want our family kind of split between two different communities. Um, and, and we had the, the impression that that probably wasn't going to happen if you go back to three positions I've held um, it wasn't going to happen there. And so this journey started as I was in seminary. Uh, we went to a church in Altoona, and um, it was a great place to grow and thrive, but it wasn't going to be that place for us. And so the door was wide open. Uh, what is God calling us to do? So we went to Kentucky, and we spent a couple years there, and God used that place to teach us a lot. But it also wasn't going to be a place where that dream was fulfilled, but the dream was still fulfilled. Like The dream was still in our hearts, like, Allison started seminary when we were in Kentucky, so we still had this dream. We were still working towards it. And part of that dream was, uh, was realized every time we came back to visit Iowa, uh, we used all of our vacation time to come back to Iowa, right? Who does that, right? <laughs> and every time we crossed over the Mississippi River in the Quad Cities, we'd be like, ah, we're home. And this idea of what home was began to solidify for us, right? So God is still working on our heights, and God is still working to, to help us discern what that dream looks like for us. And Allison had a pretty clear impression that, like, we were supposed to call this part of the state home. And we, we loved uh, Riverside. You know, my cousin Shane had worked here for years, so I wasn't a stranger to the area, the church. Um, and shortly after we moved back here, uh, Mike Bradley, who was with us last fall, um, he was praying over me, and, and he said, I think you're supposed to call this home. And little did he know, I had just that week ordered the IA Home Hawkeye license plates that you see on my Volkswagen. <laughs> and then shortly after that, another trusted friend and mentor of mine, Kendra, uh, she said, I think you're supposed to unpack your clothes. And I had already unpacked my clothes. But you know what that means, right? If you plan on staying somewhere, you actually unpack some of the boxes, or maybe all of the boxes. And I don't, I don't say all that just to say, I'm here, we're happy, you know. There, there's more to that. But all of these things were things that God had to do, that God had to lead us through for us to fulfill that dream. It wasn't an overnight reality. And it's way better than even what we thought God would have done in any of those other places where we were seeking this dream. But the root of this dream and the root of our dreams... Isn't just, it isn't just my own family's circumstance. It isn't just my happiness or my contentment. Like, it is the kingdom of God. Now, I desire to be in a place where dozens, maybe even hundreds of Christians uh, are willing to dream and pursue something that is God-sized that they know they can't do on their own, but they can with God's presence, and they can with God's help. I'm hoping this is that place. I'm hoping Story City and Roland and this part um, of the state is that place. You know, my dream is to see something here that can only happen with God's presence. And to see something here that can cause us to celebrate in the same way that Jacob celebrates when he has that dream. Jacob says, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. 
Wouldn't that be neat if that was our reality? Every year we could say, wow, I am so much more aware of God's presence in this place than I was last year. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I think God's willing to make this place that place. As he is with any of his people when they gather together and seek his will and seek his goodness and come together in unity in the gospel. So that's my dream. Um, and I hope, I hope that resonates and echoes with something in your heart. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we trust that you are good. We thank you for working in powerful ways through Jacob and his life. We thank you that we get to have that testimony in our hands so that we can learn and grow. And, and the same spark that you gave Jacob, you spark in us, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would show us your dreams for us. We know we have dreams. We all do. But we want your dreams to become our dreams. So would you mold our hearts and renew our minds and help us to begin to and to continue to experience that reality. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.